0: And all of a sudden he said it was like, uh, he said it just got a cold chill, and like, you know, just something just, just went up the back of him, and he said all of a sudden they heard, move now. And Granddad looked at everybody and said, look fellas, he says, I don't know what's going on here. He said, but just to be safe, let's just
1: move away from this old building.
2: Whiskey, whiskey.
1: Uh, today I'm at uh, Buffalo Trace Distillery in uh, on the third floor of Warehouse L, and I have uh, very, very proud to have uh, Freddie Johnson on the podcast. Uh, We we talk about Freddie often on on the whiskey topic. Uh, Freddie is a whiskey historian and really a legendary uh, tour guide of the region. Uh, um, He's a third generation uh, uh, whiskey uh, person that's worked on this property, correct? In one form or another. Uh, Freddie, welcome to the podcast. It's just such a treat to have you on. Well, Mark, thank you very much for uh, coming down and spending some time uh, I love what you set up here. We're literally on top of a barrel <laughs> with the microphones and uh, and uh, doing a recording on this warehouse. It's such a wonderful, wonderful sight.
0: It's interesting that you did find a barrel that leaked a little bit right next to where we are.
1: Yeah, just kind of, yeah, just kind of rubbing at, at it a little bit, and I think it's uh, it is actually leaking. I can uh, probably taste a little bit of whiskey, right? Yeah,
0: come right across uh, here. That's yeah. caramelized over. Yeah. We were just upstairs. Uh, it's really interesting. Um, most leaks and barrels like this, mm-hmm. um, as it comes through, because of the uh, caramelized sugars and the saps and the rosins, when it hits the air, it's like uh, if you were making simple syrup at home right. and, you t- and you caramelize it and then you turn the fire off on the sugar, it uh, hardens up. Yeah. So you can actually, on days that the uh, weather is getting ready to change, if the humidity level is going up, you can come up and touch some of these and they'll actually feel tacky. And on, on really uh, warm, dry days, it's caramelized and hard. It's really kind of interesting.
1: So if, uh, if, uh, if you're walking through here, is this a little bit of lost money for Buffalo Trace? A little bit of, uh, a little bit of caramelized whiskey there?
0: Yeah. Uh, in fact,
1: uh, we were just upstairs on the, on the
0: top floor where the temperature really gets a lot hotter. And uh, I was uh, pointing out some of those barrels. And what happens is I tell folks all the time when they look at old whiskey barrels, the cooper, who is the person who makes your barrels, is really like your best friend or your worst nightmare. Mm -hmm. So if you've got a cooper and the blades start to get a little bit dull, uh, it'll make microscopic rough cuts in the wood. They won't show up until the whiskey gets in the barrel, the pressure builds, and it's easier for the whiskey to come out on the... Rough cut edges than it is for it to come out through the fibers of the wood. So your yield for that barrel actually goes down,
1: um, and so you try to avoid um, those types of barrels. Right, right. And um, is that? And you were, we were talking before we started recording that. Uh, Warehouse L is a favorite to some and not to others. It uh, all depends. Everybody has their favorite warehouse. Oh, yeah. Where the oh, best yeah. whiskey comes from.
0: Oh, you should hear them. I mean, at, uh, we've had uh, sessions where they get to talking about uh, making good whiskey. And this particular warehouse, Warehouse L, um, is Leonard Riddle's favorite warehouse. And in fact, there's a plaque downstairs on the side of this building um, in his honor. Mm-hmm. so uh, there are like five plaques around here right now the cool part about it mark is each one was presented to that person to their face
1: yeah.
0: in front of their coworkers and their friends uh, as a way of saying thank you rather than waiting until usually you know it's after you're dead and gone and they do something nice and uh, the family and mark brown and feel like that that's that's not the right way to do it you've done something kind of cool why don't we tell you to your face yeah, yeah. Uh, it acts as a uh, as an inspiration to the to the younger workers coming to work, because they realize that if they hang in there and they do something kind of cool, they will be recognized while they're here. So it's really a neat inspiration.
1: And 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 you're loved here. You've you uh, in the tourism wall, there's the wall of of your family, uh, oh, yeah. and and just uh, the love here <laughs> is just incredible. Uh, Didn't even
0: you. know they had done
1: that. That was
0: oh man, they blew me
1: away with that one. So
0: um, it was really kind of crazy the way that it happened. I'd been out on a tour
2: Mm -hmm.
0: and uh, came back in with my tour, and uh, the gift shop manager, uh, Matt Higgins, was uh, standing down beside these double doors. And uh, he's got this real serious look on his face, and I'm thinking, oh, man, what have I done? What have (laughs) I done? And uh, he says, "Uh, Freddie, I need to see you. And I'm like, oh, I I said, Matt, could it? could it wait till after the tour is over? I said, this is really kind of embarrassing. He says, no, I need to see you right now. And I'm thinking, Oh Lord, I've really messed this tour up. Right. <laughs> and, uh, when they opened up the double doors, everybody else was standing back in that little room. And, uh, they all said surprise. Oh, and man. that's when I saw they had gone back into the archives. They'd gotten pictures of my grandfather and Colonel Blanton. When they were here together, I call it a moment of reflection. Um, Uh, They have uh, pictures of my grandfather, Uncle Benny, who's uh, worked here, uh, along with my dad when he first hired on, Um, Max, who was Colonel Blanton's chauffeur, um, Mr. Lampkins, Mr. Creel, Mr. Harris. Um, It just, it was amazing. And and then they had pictures of uh, my dad and Elmer. Uh, They were here together. Um, So Granddad and Colonel Blanton were here for like 52 years. Uh Uh, Dad and Elmer were around here together off and on for like about 47 years. Mm -hmm. Um, Elmer, at 90 years old, uh, becomes one of only three living master distillers to have ever had a whiskey named after him. Uh, So Elmer got that at 90, and Dad, at 94 years old, he had become the only living person to personally handle every millionth barrel that's ever come through Buffalo Trace Distillery since Prohibition. It's amazing. And then, long pretty. <laughs> sad state of affairs, sad state of affairs. But uh, I'm here because of a promise that I made to them um, that uh, I would try to work at the distillery during my lifetime. And I promised my father when I moved away from here that if anything ever happened to him, that I would be his caregiver. So that's really why I came back, Mark, is uh, I came back to take care of my dad before
1: he passed away. Because you were a, a technician, or for AT&T, I believe. Yeah, I worked in operations and engineering. Yeah, uh, and then interfaced with Bell Labs for a while. Yeah, mm-hmm. uh, it's amazing. Uh, I think amazing part of the story. You came coming back here uh, in a way to that that oral history of your family and and uh, the other members of uh, this really historic site. Uh, that's such a great legacy here Um, and you you grew to learn more about your family as because you worked here as well. Yeah it's uh, and I'll tell you
0: what that's what uh, I try to um, when I do the tours I really uh, you know there are as you well know a large number of distilleries in and around uh, Kentucky Mm -hmm. especially around this area so what I try to do is I try to help folks to um, think beyond the obvious when I do the tours
2: mm-hmm.
0: uh, and try to uh, get them to immerse themselves in this kind of environment, try to imagine what it would have been like when these old warehouses were first built and the settlers were coming in here. Um, and then to look around at these old barrels and think about the significance of the barrels and their families and these good mm-hmm. bottles of bourbon that they're holding on to, And um, as i just, like I say, as a point of a, kind of like driving at home, uh, I get them to realize there will always be old barrels and bottles of bourbon. Yeah. And then I have them look at their friends and families, folks that they came here with, and I tell them, I said, you know, we're the fragile part of this. I said, these old barrels, the whiskey that we're enjoying today that you go in the store and get a bottle off the shelf, those are some of the last barrels that Elmer and my dad handled while they were here.
2: Yeah.
0: And the whiskey that they're around right now, these newer barrels... That's for the next generation, you know. Yeah. Some of that I'll never live to taste. Well, unless I cheat, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Dip into a barrel but, uh, occasionally. But you know what I'm saying is, yeah. and so all of a sudden they begin to realize, well, saving a bottle of old bourbon is not gonna gain me anything, but what it will do is it will allow me to have missed an opportunity mm-hmm. to have shared a moment with friends and family and create memories. So at the point I'm at in my life right now, I learned from my dad and my granddad, I would rather have the memories that a good bottle of bourbon provided with friends and family than to know that they have passed away or I've passed away and I missed that opportunity. The bottle is still sitting there, but that moment
1: will have never been received. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It is uh, interesting uh, around my circle of friends, whiskey is a big driver for you know, coming in, opening up a special bottle, finding something, you know, wherever we go to the U.S., we find something rare. And we're like, we're happy to bring it back home. And we never store it. We, exactly. we share it. Uh, occasionally we open it for a special occasion that's that year, right? Uh, we save it for later that year, but not, not for, you know. Um, You're there. Yeah. It's the conversation around whiskey is interesting because it's not the same sort of alcohol other you know, it's, it's, it gives you a different sort of sense, I guess. Yeah. Uh,
0: and, and what's funny about it is uh, what I do now is uh, when, uh, when I open up a really good bottle, mm-hmm. like I just got a, uh, one of the anti-collection bottles. Uh,
2: right. Uh, Highly sought after. Oh,
0: yes. And, huh. uh, what I, and what I did with it is um, each time I uh, open it up with a friend or with a couple of, couple of folks, we sign the bottles. So each time I do that, if it's with someone different, whoever it is, we sign the bottle. And so what I've got now is I've got several bottles that are just empty. But when I look at it, I remember the conversations. And that's the cool part about bourbon is like you just said, what happens is um, you're telling a story. Yeah. I'm sipping on my bourbon and I'm listening to you. And all of a sudden, you, know, you, you finish with your story and we get a big laugh or we get a, one of those moments. And by that time, it's triggered something for me and now you can sit back and sip and appreciate the bourbon while the next story by someone else is being uh, presented. And the time goes away. Right. I mean, it becomes an insignificant factor. And I think that's what's cool about this whole thing is I remember one of the last bottles of bourbon that my father and my brother and I shared before they passed away. And it was a bottle that uh, uh, Julian van Winkle. Mm-hmm. Um, had provided because I didn't know that my father had handled his barrels oh. um, when they were part, you know, when they became part of Buffalo Trace Distillery. And I didn't know that dad had handled these old barrels. And as a way of saying thank you for all of that, uh, he had provided this bottle. Oh. The agreement was that we would share it. Yeah. Now, I'm thinking, this is a really cool bottle of bourbon here. Yeah. yeah. So I do as I promised Julian. I said, okay. I said, well, I show it to my dad. Dad's all excited about it because he remembered when it was made and blah, 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 and how it was, and I'm like, okay. So I take the top off and I pour some in his glass and some in my brother's glass and some in my glass. And I go to put the stopper back in the bottle. We put the cork back in the bottle. And my dad says, what on earth are you doing? I said, dad, we're doing a toast. He says, I'm fully aware of what we're doing. I'm asking what you're doing. And I said, Dad, this is a really cool bottle of bourbon. I said, I'm saving it so that we can do some more toast later on. He said, son, he said, your father's 92 years old. He said, a lot of the other fellas that put this whiskey into the warehouse never even got to taste it. He said, never, ever do that. He said, when you're with friends and family, the only reason why you bring a good bottle of bourbon out is because you are with friends and family. He said, enjoy the moment. Enjoy that moment. Mark, it was the first time that my brother, my father, and I had ever spent three hours together, just us. Yeah. No radio, no TV, no distractions, and we sat there, we laughed, we knocked that bottle out. We nailed it, yeah. okay? Yeah. And the irony of that, shortly after that, they were gone. Wow. So if I had not have done that, I would have missed all the stories about things that we had done or things that he had done that we had shared that we didn't think the other knew about. It was, I mean, it was it was just a really neat moment. So when I look at that bottle, I got it. Yeah. All right? Yeah. So if I'd saved the bottle, sure, I'd have had a bottle of whiskey. But that moment,
1: but it would have never happened. Oh, that's a—that's uh, amazing. And it, is, it also demonstrates kind of the humbleness of, of uh, you know, your father, like, you you didn't learn uh, that his involvement in picking barrels until these moments where somebody else comes to you and says, you know, your dad helped with this. Yeah, um, this guy wiggling back through the rails
0: right back yeah. there.
1: Yeah, yeah. Uh, Active warehouse. Yeah. Okay, we, we were
0: talking about Leonard Riddle and Ronnie Eddins. Yeah. Well, uh, Travis is back there, and uh, he is a uh, direct descendant of uh, Ronnie Eddins. Okay, so uh, it's really. I mean, we. I'm not the. Uh, only second or third generation person around here. There's a lot of us around here. Um, and it's really kind of neat to, uh, to see, kind of like it reemphasizes what we were talking about earlier. There's all the warehouses, the buildings, the structures, the barrels, all just like they were in the 1800s and 1900s. Yeah. Okay, so the only thing that's really changed around here are the people and some of the techniques, maybe some of the technologies. But the process of making good whiskey is just like it was in the 1700s,
1: 1800s. Yeah. Um, how, did, how has your family, what was your, you know, your, your, we say we're third, third generation, uh, where did that start? How does how did your uh, great-great-grandfather uh, start on the distillery? Well, my
0: grandfather. Grandfather. Okay, grandfather. Right. My great-grandfather, believe it or not, was, uh, uh, his name was George Wilson. And we called him Papa George. Uh, he was actually born a slave It's yeah. really kind of funny how our family got here and um, He made a, he was a really a smart business person, and he made the majority of his money digging graves during Prohibi- during uh, the depression mm-hmm. he uh, he uh, He was a grave digger at the Frankfurt uh, Cemetery which, which is where Daniel Boone's grave site is and the original family house was down Glens Creek Road uh, near the cemetery, because he would walk to the cemetery, and that was the house that my father was born in. Mm-hmm. So um, my grandfather and Colonel Blanton actually met on the riverbank behind this distillery. I guess they were kids playing along the river. They became friends. Uh, Colonel Blanton starts to work at the distillery at the age of 16. Uh, Long comes... Uh, uh, Granddad, they hook up, and like I said, they were around you together for 52 years. So they were here. I'll tell you what's amazing about this. Colonel Blanton was a visionary. I I say that Buffalo Traces had three visionaries. Uh, E.H. Taylor started this with building the distillery out of brick, mortar, and stone, and his concept was if I build structures out of brick, mortar, and stone and of a fine quality, I tell my constituents I'm here for the long haul. I'm making quality structures because I'm going to be making quality products, mm-hmm. and I'm not going to spend a time on just, <laughs> just putting uh, uh, planks up on buildings and replacing tin that's blowing away. I can focus on the distillery and making good whiskey. So this distillery was the first to introduce uh, climatically controlled warehouses, and uh, um, that's where the steam heat uh, um, started to be applied to control the temperature inside. So, H. Taylor started this vision. Mm-hmm. Along comes Colonel Blanton. Colonel Blanton continues this vision uh, and navigated this distillery through two world wars, through the Depression, through the 37 flood, and through Prohibition, and the distillery never closed. So, it's really kind of amazing what he saw, and that's when, during Prohibition, this expansion started. Right. Um, and we got these big fermentation vats and the new steels and stuff. Um, and then, uh, uh, along comes Mark Brown. And so Mark Brown has taken it to the next level and now his vision is let's look at where we've been and let's look at where we're going. So the motto of the distillery is actually only four words, very straightforward, Honor tradition, embrace change.
2: Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, so,
0: and we're off and running. I think we have currently, we have over 14,000 experimental barrels of whiskey on premise so we're already making the bourbon of the
1: future right okay right so it's kind of cool yeah yeah uh it and um um and your father and elmer t lee were also very close
0: oh yeah dad and elmer they were they were quite a pair um elmer uh, was a bombardier uh, in the air force and dad uh, was actually he made uh, landing strips so they found out that uh, at one point they were talking about some of the places that they had been stationed and Dad kind of laughed and, he, and, and Elmer started laughing and they realized that Elmer, some of the planes that Elmer had flown in were landing on strips that Dad had built uh, when he was in the Air Force. So it was kind of funny um, and uh, they were around you together. Uh, Granddad. Uh, when he came here, he was an interesting... He was... Uh, remember, you know, you got history. History yeah. can be baggage or it can be an enhancer. Mm-hmm. Um, so a lot of people... I listened today, a lot of people who talk about history you know, favorably and some talk about it badly. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it makes you who you are. Mm-hmm. And you can, uh, you can use it either way. So... Um, and what happened to our family was... Um, There was a plantation near here, and the uh, owner of the plantation fathered a couple of kids from his cook, and um, uh, we called her Aunt Alice. And uh, from that, um, my grandfather was part of that offspring. And when slavery was abolished, um, they were given some land so they would be self-sustaining. Um, And so Granddad didn't really look like an African American. He looked more like a seasoned, kind of like an old Irish guy or an old uh, wine guy. He had this kind of a leathery, kind of a smooth and big. He had really silver, long silver, pretty hair. I I was a kid. I was fascinated. I said, this is one cool dude, you know. And uh, but when he came to work at the distillery, the other workers had uh, that were here before him, had shown him the way these old warehouses were constructed. And uh, in areas, you got what, what they call honey barrels. And Colonel Blanton, in trying to uh, navigate through Prohibition and through some of the other things, would have Granddad go in and pull some of these special barrels. And they would use those um, to have, they called them, uh, burgoo stew parties, okay? Mm-hmm. Uh, it was really a bourbon party. Uh, but it was, uh, they would use that as a way of kind of like winning political favors, having events and things like that. Right. Um, so then along comes Elmer and my dad. And Elmer um, was trying to figure out a way of jump-starting the industry to get some of the barrels of whiskey moving.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And so he came up with the concept of single-barrel bourbon. Now, if they had thought about it, he could have basically captured that, like, as a copyright or something like that, and then only Buffalo Trace would have had. Right. <laughs> about ah, well, they were glad enough to get rid of the whiskey, so that was the deal there. Right. So, Elmer had uh, Dad go in and pull some of these barrels um, that, traditionally, my grandfather had shown him where they were, and they used those barrels. Elmer tasted from those barrels, and of those, selected a taste profile that is today known as Blanton's Bourbon. So single barrel bourbons originated here commercially, um, and Blanton's was that product. So I think the first release was 1984. So That's, pretty cool.
1: Yeah, that is that is pretty cool, and it uh, and it was the the quiet bourbon you can sort of get in the corner of most liquor stores for the longest time, uh, and then it. It now, exploded. It exploded. Um, yeah. I, uh, I I was with friends uh, celebrating uh, not just my birthday, but a, but a few people's birthdays in at around the same time. Uh, with friends, and we, we, I had one bottle of Elmertili I found last time I was here, and that's, <laughs> that was one of those moments where you, you open it and uh, you enjoy it with friends. I think it's, it's a special find, um, and it's also, um, uh, and then, of course, another time with Blantons is a little more, little more available and, uh, and available, but uh, I guess that's the thing. Some people like the Blantons profile, and some people like the Elmertili's profile. there intended to complement each other in in that respect.
0: Yes. Yeah. And uh, what's really kind of funny is, uh, uh, so Blanton started it. Uh, Elmer, when he came up with his taste profile, it's the uh, same mash bill, but it's aged a little bit differently. So you get a little bit of a different taste profile coming at you.
2: Yeah.
0: Um, When Elmer passed away, um, basically everybody slammed the product. You couldn't find it anywhere. Yeah. And uh, the... uh, The misperception was that it was going away.
2: Mm
0: -hmm. Uh, What they didn't realize, again, uh, we talk about visions and forethought, Um, they, Mark and them, had basically archived samples of every barrel that Elmer ever selected. (laughs) So um, our taste profile of the final approval of a barrel of bourbon is no less than five people. It's always a mix of men and women to ensure you've got a balanced product because men and women smell and taste things differently. Uh, but because of that, um, they don't just use the previous barrel uh, when they did a run, when they do a run for Elmer's product. Uh, they go back into the archives and they compare it to barrels selected many, many runs before. And that's to ensure the taste profile of Elmer. <clears throat> and our other products here don't drift over time. So we've been doing the same thing with Buffalo Trace. We've Uh got the original archive selection, and it's to make sure that you can open up a bottle today, open up a bottle a few years from now, and they should taste pretty much the same. Yeah,
1: yeah. Kind of cool. It is, it is, it is very cool. It's, uh, um, again, that that oral history and kind of the, the life of the distillery and the people around it and what brings in that 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 whiskey that gets people talking yeah um almost
0: like a legacy i mean yeah. that's all we're doing is uh, uh, mark said that we're just uh, we're the keepers
1: mm-hmm.
0: it's you know um we're just keeping things in in shape for the next generation
1: this um um so uh, this site here uh went under many names uh so what what were the what were kind of names that it's been before uh Along your, your, you know, Uh, a
0: lot of people, um, the original name that the uh, distillers permit was uh, uh, first issued under was OFC. Uh, That was known as Old Fired Copper. Uh, Later on, it became known as Old Fashioned Copper. Uh, That was uh, something that happened with Taylor and Stag back in the day. (laughs) Uh, And so, but it it was always known as OFC. And then along comes uh, a product called Ancient Age. And uh, then along comes a product called Stag, and then along comes the, uh, a, pro- <laughs> a product called Blanton's. Um, but Shinley Corporation basically was the umbrella. So when Shinley went up on the water tower for a while, people didn't know what Shenley was all about. But when they put the brands up there, right. it helped them to identify with the city. Um, At one time, the locals, OFC, the locals called it Old Frankfurt Corn, okay, (laughs) Uh, just the corn whiskey coming out of Buffalo Trace Distillery, Um, and in today's environment, it's known as Buffalo Trace, so uh, that happened, uh, uh, the distillery was purchased, I think, in 1992. In 1999, they had rolled out, uh, they had created this new taste profile, which is now known as Buffalo Trace Bourbon, Mm -hmm. so that's when... The water tower and everything started to change, showing what the new product was.
1: Oh, I see. So it's the, the product that became predominantly sold. That was kind of the theme it was our flagship. flagship. So Thousand yeah, it was distillery. a way of
0: identifying. It was a, a way of identifying this distillery based on the flagship product that we would be producing here. Right. Right. Now that's so, uh, I
1: didn't realize that. That's uh,
0: yeah. So Buffalo Trace is actually an entirely different taste profile from anything else that
1: we've. Previ- pre- um, actually produced here before Uh, and so when when this used to be called uh i guess stag distillery or or is that the name it went by uh yeah people some people call it old stag stag distillery yeah um yeah and
0: and some of the locals still refer to it as stag distillery uh we have a lady that works in the gift shop that's a direct descendant of the stag family okay keeney Mm -hmm. um, keeney welch is she's a super lady um but uh, you as you as you go around through here, just like you know when Travis walked by, um, it's just a tremendous mix of really nice folks
2: yeah.
0: who who are here um, to try to keep this thing going. Yeah, it's really kind of neat. The passion here is is unbelievable.
1: Yeah, it's it, it is a sense of family, right? It's yeah. that definitely, uh, definitely a sense of family. Um, and then on the other side of this, you have uh, this, you know, bourbon's. Picked up intensely since the '90s and 2000s, and you're you you have a whole new set of uh, fans that you didn't.
0: Oh, isn't that crazy? Yeah, yeah. crazy, crazy. Um, Buffalo, all of our, believe it or not, we make bourbon under 18 labels, yeah, and they're all allocated, right? How
1: crazy is that? Yeah. Um, for, for listeners, allocated means it's it's. It's harder to get, you're not guaranteed to get the product every time yeah.
0: you order Yeah, and if you get it, you're only going to get so much. Yeah. And so what they try to do is they try to figure out what's a fair balance to, to be able to provide it to the different consumers. Um, and, you know, because, you know, you don't have enough to meet the true order. Uh, so each one gets so many. It's kind of crazy. Um, but uh, I was doing this tour not too long ago, and this uh, this guy was a pappy enthusiast. Mm-hmm. Oh, he was where the pappy, where the pappy, where the. And uh, he, he, it just became a distractor for the group because every time we'd go into a warehouse or something like that, where's the, where's the pappy in here? Where is, it? Oh, is that? All the, okay. <laughs> so uh, in the midst of all that, he was upset because he couldn't get twenty-year-old pappy. Yeah. All right. Believe it or not. You know, I just say that there's a power greater than us. About the time Julian Van Winkle comes walking by, mm-hmm. and I said, "You know, sir," I said, "I don't have the answer to your question about this pappy." I said, "But here's Mister Van Winkle." I said, "I'm <laughs> sure he can address any questions you might have about his product." So he goes up to Julian. He starts giving him a rough time, and he says, "Well, it looks to me like..." Um, as popular as it is, and as good as it is, it looks to me like you uh, you would uh, you, sh- you you would have made more. And he said, "Well, he said, you know, you have to think about this. Twenty, twenty-five years ago, uh, there wasn't this demand for pappy." Yeah. He said so. Um, he said so. A lot of it wasn't made, so the warehouses were already full. And the guy says, "Well, yeah," and he says, "But you make different expressions of it." And he says, well, yeah. And he says, well, it seems to me like since you didn't make enough of the 20 and the 23, he said, looks to me like you could uh, maybe just release more of the the 10 and the 15 uh, to make up for that. And uh, Julian said, well, yeah, I guess we could do that. He said, but you do realize the more that we release at 10 or 12 or 15, the less you're going to have at 20 and 23 and 25. And the guy just kind of like looked, like, "Oh, right. I never right. thought about that." You know. <laughs> so he says, "He says you can't rush Mother Nature." He yeah. said, "There's no way for us to make up for that." So even though we are, uh, at, as this distillery is growing right now, as we as we stand here together, um, the expansion at this distillery right now, believe it or not, surrounding us, Mark, are about four hundred thousand barrels of whiskey. Yeah okay yeah so but i tell folks i said this is not the whiskey for us this is the whiskey for 2025 2030 2040. uh part of this whiskey is the is the whiskey that was made back with, you know shortly after elmer and dad had passed away that's what's getting released today and 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 people just start to look and it's like they get an entirely different appreciation for reaching and grabbing a bottle of bourbon off the shelf in the store to know that this was something that happened
1: several years back. Um, I, I, I don't know, of um, Julian Van Winkle story um, uh, that the internet quickly passes around is there's a message board post from like 1997 with Julian Van Winkle um, responding to somebody saying, hey, I'm having a wedding, could I borrow buy a barrel of whiskey? And it's Julian Van Winkle saying, "Oh, you know, I have a few barrel I have barrels and he I believe he was selling it for a few thousand dollars and he's like, I'll bottle it for you for $10 a bottle or $20 a bottle." <laughs> and, and I'm like, this is actually Julian Van Winkle on a message board somewhere on the internet in 1997. Wow. Uh, just wanting to sell a barrel of 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 whiskey and how much that has changed. Oh lord and, yes. And, and today you like you said, and it's not just, it's, uh, it's where the barrel's aging, the maturation, where it, where it is. Um, and that's kind of the authenticity, authenticity behind whiskey, right? It's that it happens in these smaller barrels, and what happens in there can't be rushed. It can't be pushed. Um, that there has, are people trying. They, they are. That's right. There are a <laughs> oh, lot of, that's true, the vibrating, uh, yeah. <laughs> singing to the barrels, um, wrapping uh, them up, sweating them. Yeah. Uh, there's, Running current through them.
0: Uh, I haven't even heard of that. Mm, yeah. Yeah oh yeah um it's it, it's um trying to speed up the molecular interaction yeah um, but yeah it's it's, it's' it's it's amazing um what has actually happened in the industry um, but it's it's an interest it's a sobering point to think about what's actually going on right now is um traditionally when you and I first started sipping on bourbon uh, many years ago um Bourbon was considered to always be at least four years old. Mm-hmm. And I do a lot of tours, and I ask folks, how, how old does bourbon have to be? How long does it have to sit in the barrel to call it bourbon? A lot of people still say, still hold up four years. No. yeah, mm-hmm. And so I said, OK, so what you need to be aware of is um, age statements are coming off bourbon and whiskey now because of the demand. Uh, bourbon is now out there uh, competing in the arenas that uh, used to be a Scotch right. uh, arena. Um, I said, so age statements are coming off. I said, the other thing you'll notice that's coming off a lot of bottles of bourbon is straight.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And I said, and straight means that it was in the barrel for at least two years. So a lot of people, just because they're on the bourbon run, um, they're paying 50 to $75 for a bottle of bourbon that doesn't even have straight on the label, which means it's less than two years old. Yeah. So, and you can taste that. In the taste profile but again um, it's all part of what's going on right now and uh, you know Mark Brown and and uh, Harlan Wheatley made a comment you put this forecast together so you think about it now we're making whiskey for 2025. 20, yeah all right? yeah yeah and they said we guarantee you one we guarantee you this <laughs> either way we go we're gonna be wrong so <laughs> right. we're either gonna make too much are right. we still not gonna make enough Happy but we're making our way It
1: be affordable one day.
0: Yeah. It <laughs> might be findable. <laughs> and that's the other thing, uh, Mark. It's really, you know, I really appreciate you spending time with me. But uh, the other thing that's uh, getting close to home now is, as you'd mentioned about price, um, there are a lot of folks that are paying a tremendous amount yeah. for a bottle of, of aged bourbon. And the kicker is simply. Um, they get some of these bottles that they paid on the secondary market they paid several thousand dollars for it and uh, they'll come through here on a tour or something and we'll get to talking about aging product and they say yeah I got some of that it cost me so much money and I was totally disappointed and what I share with folks um, all the time I say you know if you want to are you considering buying an older aged product no matter what it is I said always go to a real nice restaurant or a bar and get a flight you know and get two or three take a friend with you maybe a couple of friends pool your money but taste that product before you invest that much money in it to find out if that's really what you want to do and I said and if you, I said if it reinforces your your desires that's great but at the same time, you may say, I don't think I want to pay that much for that bottle. Right, right. And I said, and that helps you to appreciate that product even more uh, because it's something that you really look forward to, but it also meets with your expectation as a reality.
1: Right. And that's a, that's a great point. I mean, Buffalo Trace, the distillery, doesn't suggest this bottle should cost thousands of dollars. They have a list price, and it's $200 or 250 and that's the suggested retail price, yep. um, but you don't control what that price point is at the store, and certainly the secondary market, which is a whole other—you know—when when people buy uh, whiskey from from other individuals selling it on, on through websites or groups or what have you—that yeah. um, inflates the price of the, the bottles dramatically. Um, uh, and so, Buffalo Trace, you know, San says it's a two hundred dollar bottle. Enjoy it for $200. You, you will love yeah. it for $200 or $250 or, or what have you. Yeah. Um, Think about the antique collection. Antique yes. collection, Sazerac, uh
0: 18, William LaRue Weller, George T. Stagg. I mean, some of the highest-rated whiskeys in the world. Love them all. And the price point on those are still less than $100. Yeah. You know? So, um, yeah, it's it's crazy. It's crazy. Uh, this, this new... Um, Uh, law that was passed now allows as you know it now allows retail stores to sell barrels got the back in here working on the live warehouse yeah (laughs) Yeah. we're in a live warehouse so uh uh, but uh, you can uh you can go in and hook up with a retailer and you can they can sell your bottles for you now
1: oh that is interesting yeah
0: so we got a couple of them that are doing it now and um and that's that secondary market, but the retailer now gets to be a part of that. So they've sold a barrel, they've sold the bottle yeah, at yeah. the suggested retail price. Then the customer comes back at them again and says, uh, "Would you resell? This. Yeah, would you resell this for me?" All right. Oh, we got samples to go. Uh, yes. Sir. <laughs> I've seen those barrel samples. Right. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but it is, it's just a fascinating world that we're living in right now. But uh, um, I think that part of the reason for uh, that happening is to at least give that secondary consumer a little bit of a feeling of comfort mm-hmm. in knowing they're about to pay more, but at least they're getting it from a, re- a reputable source yeah. instead of yeah. just going
1: online and getting it from somebody they don't know who it is. Right, right. No, that's a that's a good point. You're not meeting in the alleyway with a stranger exchanging a lot of money for a bottle. Yeah, of Yeah, and all of a
0: sudden they're gone, and you realize that hey, wait a minute, this seal is sitting crooked on this bottle. <laughs> uh oh, <laughs> Buffalo Trace. That wouldn't come out of the distillery, yeah, right? yeah. <laughs> so yeah, so oh yeah. We had one that uh, was totally upset, uh, and that what gave it away was the uh, was the seal on the bottle, and uh, the. Uh, upon checking on it, the proof was not the proof that it was supposed to be.
2: Yeah, So yeah. it was
0: obvious that somebody had basically um, consumed the product, put another product in there, put a little, little artificial seal on it, and was selling it as that product. So that's why, you know, unless you know what you're getting, Yeah. You yeah. Don't, we, don't, we, don't, we don't support any of that, but we try to help people. Um, if it seems like a really, really good
1: deal, might want to check on it. <laughs> right. <laughs> so. um, what is your favorite uh, uh, warehouse in, uh, on, the, uh, on the premise on the, here? On the property? Yeah. Uh,
0: my, my, my favorite warehouse is actually Warehouse C. Mm-hmm. Um, warehouse C, that's the first warehouse that I got to go into with my grandfather. Uh, I think at that time I was maybe about five years old. Uh, it sits up near the front, but that's also the warehouse that um, the wall collapsed on. Mm -hmm. which is part of uh, uh, this whole thing with ghost hunters when they came out here. uh, That was a warehouse that uh, Granddad and them were working in and they were taking a break, they were moving barrels around and um, outside against the, uh, the east side wall and all of a sudden they heard what sounded like a voice that said Move people now. And everybody looked at each other, and they were like, oh, what was that? And Granddad said, who said that? And they said, we never said a word. Yeah. And they sat there for a minute, and Granddad was already leery about these old warehouses. If you'll notice the way constru- the rails and ricks are constructed, they're just bolts. Mm-hmm. Okay. So they are, they are load-bearing uh, ricks. And so you have to have even distribution of the of the weight. Remember the barrels weigh five hundred and fifty pounds. right Oh yeah. So that warehouse warehouse C holds twenty four thousand barrels, five hundred and fifty pounds a pop. That's over six thousand tons of whiskey on timbers that go back to the seventeen and eighteen hundreds. Wow. now it still produce some highest rated whiskey in the world. But granddad Like I say, those old warehouse folks had told him about how that building was constructed, and they have plumb bobs in there. And when you start moving those barrels around, if you put too much weight on one side, it'll shift. Yeah, the plumb
1: bobs being the weights, I guess, to kind of stabilize
0: the... Exactly, just like carpenters use uh, in the construction of homes and stuff. So so they were already leery about moving all this whiskey around. But they were trying to make, they had been told they had to do this to make space for some new whiskey coming in. So they sat there for a moment and Granddad just said he had this really weird feeling. And all of a sudden he said it was like, uh, he said it just got a cold chill. And like, you know, just something just, just went up the back of him and he said all of a sudden they heard, move now. And Granddad looked at everybody and said, look fellas, he says, I don't know what's going on here. He said, but just to be safe, let's just move away from this old building. Mm-hmm. And when the last guy stepped out, at the time it was a gravel, little gravel road beside the uh, uh, parking lot where the loading dock is. And uh, as the last guy stepped out onto the gravel, that whole rear wall of that building collapsed. Wow! And it would have killed them all. Wow. Um, Ghost Hunters comes in here and they have some very interesting experiences in that building. Uh, ghost hunters are out of California out of California. Yeah, yeah. they were here uh, They did a video here. It's the first location that they've ever been to That every member of the staff had a paranormal experience while they were here Wow! So we've got four or five places around here that really have some strange things happen So I'm doing a tour one day and this lady says oh my word. She said uh, She said I uh, uh, Paranormal experiences, Wow, and I said, yes, ma'am. I said Buffalo Trace has a lot of spirits. <laughs> the whole group fell out laughing. <laughs> but uh, we you know we try to we we, we don't make light of it, but um, the distillery is just interesting. yeah, uh, most people don't realize Colonel Blanton passed away on the sun porch of the mansion that he had built for his wife. We call it Stony Point, Point.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And um, so we say he's still, he's still around here. Uh, they have um, a little girl that pops up in the window looking out, uh, out of one of the buildings a lot of times. Uh, there's an old guy with a dog that shows up. There are images that come and go from time to time. So because of what happened, we actually started a ghost tour here. Oh, wow. That uh, basically it was only It started off. It was only like uh, one or two days, and uh, only certain times of the year. And now ghost tours are just year round. I mean, wow. we have people coming in. Some days it's booked. Uh, we do it three days out of the week, and uh, whole another. So we've got <laughs> we've got the bourbon enthusiasts. We've got a <laughs> national historic landmark tour. So Absolutely, we're yeah yeah. So we're one of only a few. Fully functional National Historic Landmarks in the United States. Wow. Uh, most of them are just monuments or buildings, but we're fully functional operational. Um, just uncovered another piece of the history of the area. Uh, they call it Pompeii. They were back doing some work in uh, in the old, it was the old Dickel Building. George Dickel Whiskey used to be made here during Prohibition. Shinley Corporation. Oh, wow. Yeah, they owned yeah. this distillery, and they owned uh, George Dickel down in Tennessee. And so uh, Shenley moved dickled up here for a period of time. Um, and that was the building that they were in the process of restoring, uh, converting it to a business complex. And the contractor raises up a piece of concrete and says, oh my, so, I think y'all need to come see this. And uh, that's when, he, when they realized that um, in going back and look at the old Sunborn maps, he had uncovered the original OSC distillery. Oh, wow. So they're in the process of, uh, wow. the, arch- the archaeologists have come in,
2: yeah.
0: Uh, historians have come in, and uh, they found copper in the bottom of some of the old fermentation vats, taken it to the forensic lab, and it has confirmed that it was from the 1800s. Oh,
1: that's amazing.
0: Isn't that cool? That's amazing. So, that, so we were talking about earlier about things coming up.
1: Yeah. Oh, yeah.
0: man, so around Oaks Day, somewhere around in that... In that point of time, um, it's supposed to be ready, Mm -hmm. and uh, we're going to try to see if we can maybe do some tours back there.
1: Oh, that's amazing. Uh, Oh, yeah, yeah. it's really kind of cool. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Uh, What's Oaks Day?
0: Oaks Day traditionally was the kicking off of making whiskey. So in the fall of the year, that would have been the point where the water's gotten cold, the frost is kind of coming around, and that's when you started – Making good whiskey, so yeah. back in the day, uh you made uh, whiskey during the cooler months of the year. They always thought that that's the time to make the best whiskey, yeah, okay so uh, so that's what it's about It's a very big to do right okay? so if Mark, if you're anywhere around this part of Kentucky, you need to swing by uh, buffalo trace uh first part of October and uh
1: check that out um yeah and so that's a great point of uh, buffalo trace distillery for tours uh you book them ahead because uh, they do book up i assume oh my gosh yeah uh yeah so
0: we're we're offering uh, five different tours um and the kicker is uh so we have a traditional trace tour mm-hmm. and now uh, normally that runs on the hour mm-hmm. but we've gotten so busy on certain days that we just have a greeter and we give out tickets and mm-hmm. as soon as they give out that last ticket so we try to have no more than like about 30 people on the tour
2: oh,
0: oh. um uh, as soon as that last ticket is given out boom tour guide takes Got them out and gets them on out yeah. and we start off with another one uh, so that one you don't have to make reservations for but there's a limit on how many we're going to take out on tour right so it might run less than an hour, but we tell folks every hour because we're guaranteed we're going to get you out on a tour within an hour. The, uh, we have a bourbon barrel tour, so kind of like down here in the Warehouse area. Mm-hmm. Bourbon barrel tour is a limited one. You have to make a reservation for it. Um, it, it goes out Monday to Friday, 930 in the morning. Okay. Uh, and you can go online and make reservations for that. Uh, we have, uh, that looks at new entry, the barrels, this mm-hmm. part down here in the warehouse aging area. And we, show you, we also show you how we marry those select barrels together to make a small batch of bourbon. So they okay. get a chance to see that and see the white dog going into the barrel, so that part. Uh, this, the next tour is a hard hat tour. And the hard hat tour we take you back by the fermenters, the steels, the cookers it's a fascinating process. So a lot of people think it's a little mom and pop operation, right? (laughs) You're talking about, um, uh, fermenting stills, 92,000 gallons each. There's 12 of them, huge things. They're banged copper, uh, fermentation vats. Uh, so you got the fermentation vats. Then you got this big old column still, uh, you end up, uh, you're about four stories off the ground. It's one of the largest column stills in the industry. Um, It's got I think it's got 16 plates, about eight feet in diameter. Cranks out the hooch. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah, that pays Uh, the bills, right? Yeah, yeah, it pays the bills. (laughs) Um, So uh, you get a chance to go up there and taste the sweet mash coming from the cookers. Uh, You get a chance to that grain coming in. You got that whole experience of making the product. So we offer two of those. One goes at 10:30 in the morning, and the other goes at 1:30 in the afternoon. Uh, reservations again,
2: mm-hmm.
0: uh, and then we have the National Historic Landmark tour, okay, which is the one we just talked about, and you get a chance to uh, really go into uh, some of the older parts of the distillery. Uh, and then we offer the ghost tour. Wow. So, uh, and all of those that I mentioned are the ones that require reservation. Uh, and if you've got uh, friends or family coming in, they're all complimentary. So every tour I've mentioned is mm-hmm. complimentary. And the only limitation on it is the number of people we can take safely mm-hmm. because we actually take people back into the working part of the plan, kind of like where we are today. Yeah. So you can see how in an environment like this, you just can't have a whole lot of people coming through here Yeah. Uh, because of the danger involved in the liability. But uh, the objective of the family and uh, uh, the... Um, the folks that uh, we call it home place, the mm-hmm. home place family. The objective is for everybody to have a good time. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you uh, have babies in a stroller, uh, the trace tour, it's great, per- perfect for yeah. it. Uh, scooters, walkers, uh, it's just a fun thing. Less than 21, you can't drink hooch, obviously. obviously <laughs> so we have root beer. So everybody has something uh, to
1: enjoy while they're here. Oh, that's awesome. I. I Whenever friends come down, I'm always sending them to Buffalo Trace. Uh, Super. Uh, that's that's wonderful, uh, and, and yeah, and you you handle groups wonderfully, especially you can seven eight people, you can you can easily integrate. Um, Freddie, thank you so much. It's I've always learned something new whenever we talk, uh, <laughs> and once again, you know, it's uh, just such a pleasure. I mean, I, I can't s- stress enough how you know how much how loved you are on just the grander scale. I mean, every time somebody talks about Buffalo Trace, it's always uh, your name that comes up um, and just the, the, the heart of, that, of that, that operation down there. So I really appreciate you coming on. Mark, thank you. Um, I would have never thought when I, you know,
0: most people don't realize when I came back here to keep that promise, I was only going to stay for a year. Right. That's uh, right. Yeah, I was only going to stay for a year. That was 14 years ago. Right. I still have aha moments. I still do things like today, what we've done. Um, I still go off by myself. I have uh, just a ton of things that my grandfather and my dad had shared. I've heard Elmer or Ronnie or Leonard. Uh, I've been blessed. I've been here with three different Living Master distillers. Mm -hmm. And so each one of them approached whiskey making differently. And I remember things and comments that they made about the process, about the products, about the barrels. And I'll go off by myself sometimes, and I'll just sit, and I'll look, and I'll have another aha moment. It's, it's crazy. It's crazy. It's so um, um, I tell folks, uh, as, a way, as a way, kind of like wrapping up, I tell folks all the time when they go visit an old distillery and they encounter somebody that's been around there for a while, and you ask them a very flippant, quick question, if they don't answer you right away, It doesn't mean they didn't hear you. It doesn't mean that they're ignoring you. It means that that question that you ask is a lot more complex than you realize, Mm -hmm. and they're actually showing you respect. Uh, They are busy processing, how do I answer this question in such a way that I can be succinct Mm -hmm. with my answer Mm -hmm. and not ramble on and on and on about all the different variables associated with that question? So it's. Uh, I tell folks all the time. You go down to like Jimmy Russell mm-hmm. is uh, is the only one left of the uh, of the old guys.
2: Yeah. yeah. And
0: um, I tell folks. And sometimes he's sitting out on the porch over there.
2: Yep.
0: At Wild Turkey, uh, Eddie's over there wheeling and dealing now, but Jimmy's one of the nicest folks you'll ever meet. So in this industry, uh, the Jimmys, the Lincoln Hendersons, the Elmers, uh, Gary Gayhart, all these old guys, really nice folks, but they are. Just everyday folks.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So cool. Thank you so much. Thanks Thank you.